everyone. This is Charmaine. Hi, this is Ricky, and welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. This episode is going to be a hold the phone um, series. If you aren't like familiar with our hold the phone series, we started this series in season one, um, and we have a little bit background about the series in that episode. Um, so please feel free to listen to that episode to kind of get a background on what this series is, um, but you definitely don't have to. Um, because this series, this episode is going to be all about, um, we're going to title this, We All Tired. This is all about kind of like the, um, the overworking culture that we're seeing very like um, prevalent today, especially with our generation and future generations and this like necessity to what we like to call hustle culture and always be on the move, always be hustling and how that can be very detrimental um, to us individually and also collectively in society. Yeah, we, this is a topic that I think we've talked about extensively um, just as friends and like informally. And it's something that we really felt like we wanted to discuss on the podcast because this conversation is tied into so many things, but like, there's just so much, there's so many detriments of overworking. And as a culture, we are collectively uh, globally as a culture, not just like select, you know, and, and regionally, but globally as a culture, we are increasingly overworking being overworked, I would say. Um, and we really wanted to have this conversation because a lot of times what happens is that the conversation on overworking, it's kind of formatted in the same way as, um, other conversations where it seems like it's an option as if it's an optional thing, like, oh, that person's a workaholic or that person is, they just work so hard or like, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of grounded in this, this attitude of options as if you're given the option and you chose to overwork. And, um, I'm so glad that we are having more of these conversations and I'm hearing conversations, um, especially amongst, young people, but people of all ages, because we are not ages here at Gray Matters, the blog, but mm. it's really refreshing to hear these conversations where we kind of are starting to critique capitalism because this idea of our current work week is rooted in capitalism. Now, there's a couple of components to this that I want to bring in before we kind of like really delve into it. I know a lot of people will listen and say, oh, well, capitalism and unions brought us a 40 hour work week when before that we were working much harder for much longer hours. There is truth to that. Absolutely. Unionization helped us to kind of like create this 40 hour work week. And so we weren't worked like factory animals or like, like, like machines and robots. However, before that, this is a relatively modern thing. It's a modern uh, idea. The 40 hour work week that came along with the industrial revolution or developed shortly after the industrial revolution. But before that, you know, people were, were working and they were working very hard, but I remember reading a stat recently. We will have, there's a ton of research on this. We're going to link to some of it on our, on our resources page on our website. Um, but I remember reading something and talking to a lot of people and having this conversation amongst a lot of different groups about how like the, the serfs in the middle ages that were considered like the epitome and kind of used as like the capitalist neoliberal modern example of like hard works and like laborers literally worked probably in hours about half the year that we do. So yes, they worked really, really hard during, you know, harvesting, but after the harvest was, was harvested, I guess, um, 
you know, they spent a lot of time off. And so they were able to like, their bodies were able to recuperate. It wasn't really a time off. Like they were just on vacation, but their bodies were able to recuperate. And what we're seeing here, especially in the West, especially, especially in America, like we're just going to round this conversation in the United States of America, because that is where Ricky and I are located. And this country is notoriously known for its like labor, like poor labor practices Mm -hmm. for not giving people vacation, not giving people sick days. We have a horrible health, horrible, broken healthcare system, all of the above. And so, you know, no, no, like, you know, like regulated maternity and parental care leave any of that stuff. So like as a culture, we are expected to overwork. So it's not just something that, um, you know, it's not something that we choose. Yes. There are people who may choose to like not go on vacation or take their vacation and, 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 or not be able to, but a lot of times it's because they know that if they leave and take that vacation time, it's either not granted to them. So they, they don't, they're not able to take the entire lump sum of vacation that they are owed for working. Um, or they're going to fall so far behind that it's not worth it. So we end up, you know, getting into this cycle of overworking and that's, cycle starts very early when people are young, you know, like there's a difference between contributing and being a contributing member of society and overworking yourself to the point of where you are tired all the time. Like we're tired, but yet we're not sleeping. We're not being able to get our proper nutrition and exercise yet. We're trying. It's not that a lot, most people aren't trying. It's just that you're so tired that you're not able to kind of like function as a, as, as a functional person. Like Mm -hmm. it's, there's just so much like wrapped up into this conversation, but it's just, it's very detrimental to our health to overwork. And like, we're just expected to keep working and working. And we can speak to this as grad students, like as a grad student, you're not only expected to go to work and, or to go to, to class and do your papers. You're also expected to have teaching experience and be a graduate assistant, um, which you are penalized for in a way if you do not have. And then you are expected to do extra research outside of that to supplement your research. And then you're expected to do conferences and publications. And this isn't necessarily a critique of the whole system. I don't want anybody listening and thinking that we're just sitting here complaining about all the things we have to do, but (laughs) it just all contributes to us being tired. Like when you have so much to do, and that's not including like your responsibilities, like you have, most people have personal responsibilities outside of just being able to go to class. So yeah. 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 I think that it is as, as individuals who have worked outside of academia and are in academia, I think that we have a very um, holistic view of this overwork culture and the toxicity of this overwork culture because it didn't matter if I was in corporate working my supposed to be nine to five, but it really was a nine to nine sometimes eight to eight to Mm -hmm. whenever, you know, um, job, I felt overworked. And now being in an academic space, I feel overworked. And what we are saying is that there is a commonality or there is this, like we said, overwork culture that is embedded in our society to where if you are not overworking, or if you are not constantly working all the time, you you feel guilty mm-hmm. because it, it creates a guilt in you. And the, I think I have the perfect example of this is here in Texas, we just had the winter storm and it was a whole week. And unfortunately during this time, like I lost power I um, and it was cold and 
throughout those days, I felt guilty because I wasn't able to work. Like I was literally in my bed, in my home, no power, feeling guilty because I couldn't work. And it was almost like I should be working. Like, and then I'm trying to figure out ways to work. But unfortunately, there if you have no power, you have no internet, you have nothing, like, right. and you're not going to use. And instead of being worried about survival, which is what I should have been in survival mode, like staying warm, staying fed, staying healthy, doing what I need to do. I was worried about work and how my schedule was going to be pushed back. And this is not to say the university like said we all had to work because they did, you know, say classes are suspended that week or whatever. But then in this overworked culture mindset, constantly being in this overwork mode, you don't really think about like a week off. In your ma- in your mind when you are in this overworked culture, you're like I'm a week behind. So now I have to play catch up. And so you you kind of like go through this very toxic spiral of constantly feeling guilty for not getting rest, but also trying to figure out ways to navigate to where you don't completely like shut yourself down and become this person who can't work at all, who mm-hmm. can't not, you can't even overwork because you can't work at all. And I think it's, also important to point out that this kind of goes into um, a lot of conversations we had about the toxicity of commodified self-care. There's this commodified version of just take time off or just say no mm-hmm. or take a break or do things slower. You especially see this in academia um, and you can also see this in corporate where they're like, you're working too hard or you have too high expectations when that's not necessarily the case because not all of us are afforded the privilege to take that break or take time off or just quit the job or, you know, look for something else to do, create more flexibility in your schedule. Not all of us have that privilege. Um, And I think when it comes to overwork culture, people try to, um, get over not have the conversation of privilege but you have to have the conversation of privilege as well because Mm -hmm. not all of us have the privilege to just stop overworking right when we're in a society to where to just make it you have to overwork and those who don't have to overwork are often afforded resources and equitable positions in society to where they don't have to participate in this toxic overwork culture. And also another conversation to segue this is the people out there in those positions often put off this kind of narrative to where they're just like, I just worked hard and made it where I had to be. And I just did such and this and you can do it too. And that's not necessarily the case because if you dissect that narrative and that story, you will see that it is overflowing with certain privileges and certain um, standpoints within the hierarchical, commodified, socioeconomic society that we live in, that that person had that like standpoint to 
do everything they had to do. Yeah. So it's a very like interlocking, like web of a conversation to where like all of these things are connected and all of these things continue to perpetuate this toxic overwork culture. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone listening to feel like we are telling you not to work. We're not telling you not to work. We're not telling you that if you are overworking to stop overworking. We are just pointing out kind of um, how this overwork culture connects to the larger conversation that we have here on Gray Matters, the blog, and that is dismantling um, like hegemonic binary culture that mm-hmm. is that is prevalent in this society, especially in the U.S. It's everywhere in the U.S. No matter what you are doing, the overwork culture is there. Whether you're in beauty, whether you're in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an influencer, whether you're an academic, it's there. I mean, yeah, like this connects to so many conversations I'm thinking that we've had, Ricky, like you brought up that, the idea of like, I just work hard. Like it's that false notion and narrative of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which we discussed, um, in season one, I believe it was, I know we brought it up a couple of times, but it also like connects because we brought it up during, um, I think it was a voter suppression episode. Um, I'll have to double check that, but like it's because it, it connects to this idea that it's just like, okay, we'll just work hard and, and this false narrative of the American dream. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's rooted in hegemonic privilege. And it's so important to have those conversations. I will also say like, this gives me very much like that same energy of like the, you just have to step back and like, take a few deep breaths. If you're feeling anxious, wake up in the morning and do this mantra. Like, I'm not saying that that doesn't work, but I think that very much connects to spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it has that same energy for me, you know, where it's like, oh, just, just take it slower. It's okay. Take a semester off. Not a lot of people can do that. And, you know, like I, in a way, like we understand why people have to overwork. That's kind of how we've been able to get through grad school, like just we on a very personal level. Yes. <laughs> on a very personal level, like even to do Gray Matters, the blog, this is work that we love to do. This is what we, we chose to do. This does not mean that it's not work. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's so many things that people like you have to do them, but they are work and they have to be acknowledged as work. And it, it's, it's like, this idea, because we have this conversation, we see it with so many, in so many spaces, we have it with so many people where it's like, everyone is, we're all collectively tired. That's why we literally were like, we're going to call this, we all tired because we are all collectively exhausted. And it's because we are increasingly having to work more and more. So for example, this also connects to social media, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you are expected to have a social media presence for every like project that you're working on. A lot of people could say, you know, oh no, you don't, but you know what? I'm not talking to those people today. A lot of people will say a lot of things. We are talking to those people that understand where we're coming from because way far too often these conversations don't happen and people aren't comfortable having these conversations, especially in corporate and academic spaces, which I'm going to group academia into corporate right now. Just in, in these spaces, we don't have these conversations of being worked and, and overworked and tired. And like, when it comes to social media, that's often become for a lot of people, a second job. That's why they also have social media managers because it's a lot of work. So if you have 
like a, a hobby and you're, you know, there's that, then you have your full-time job, then you have your personal account. These are all a lot of work and often opting out of them is not a choice that you have. And so this kind of connects to like also this idea of the commodification of hobbies. Like Ricky, I'm so glad you brought up the commodification commodification of self-care, which we discuss a lot, but also there seems to be this increasingly commodification of hobbies where like it's, it connects to this overexertion of consumerist culture and also this exploitation of wage labor and production. And I'll go into that a little bit more, but just to, to like start off, like I, I, I really think I speak for, okay. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I will say that. Let me, let me backtrack a little bit, but I, I have heard this conversation. I've had this conversation with a lot of people where it feels like you're not allowed to have a hobby anymore. Like, you know, embroidery, like, you know, I'm just thinking like skills that you can do with your hands, right? This is something that a lot of people like are like older generations have done because it's been a part of survival. But now it's almost like I've heard this so many times where with people who have hobbies like embroidery, painting. I'm going to take a few examples of my own. I, I'm very creative. I do a lot of creative work. I paint. Um, I got into crystals a few years ago and I'm really into jewelry. So, so many people came up to me and they're like, oh my God, when are you opening up your Etsy shop with like crystal jewelry? And I was like, wait, what? No, I'm not. And they're like, why? Why not? And like, when, oh, I love this painting. When are you opening up your Etsy shop? And like, that's great. Like, I'm not knocking those people. I think they had the best intentions in mind when they said that. So please, like, don't think this is a critique of that or a criticism of that. It's just the overall culture is so like zero to a hundred. So like you have a hobby and you almost have to perfect it. And I think Etsy is great. So I, I want people to understand, like, we are not critiquing these things. Like, absolutely, they have become a part of survival, but it connects to the overall conversation. Like, if you have an Etsy shop, that's great. If you are, like, you know, doing something and you are, like, selling it and you are participating in the consumerist culture, absolutely, we don't have a choice. We live in capitalism. Capitalism, unfortunately, is not a choice. Mm -hmm. But it's important to address the larger, like, bigger picture of the conversation. And that is that, you know, it's like, you, you have a hobby and you're expected to automatically put it out there and be ready for the critique because you know there's going to be critique. And sometimes you just want to perfect your art. You just want to perfect your craft. You just want to do it as a hobby. You just want to do it as a creative outlet. And so I think it's important for people to be able to have that and not feel pressured and also not depend on that for their survival and end up doing things like you know, while you have a, a, what a wonderful batch of creatives, I think Etsy is a great place for creative to sell their own product. There's also a lot of like wage and labor exploitation that happens on there. There's a lot of people that will like rip other people's artwork and sell it. So you're going to have those like, you know, kind of the duality of that as well. And so I think it's important to address that. And a lot of that is rooted in just needing to kind of have this side hustle culture as a form of survival. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that this conversation is important to have because like you said, there's this dual duality to it because I'm, I'm just thinking about how people feel pressured to commodify their hobby. And then what happens is you have this oversaturated market or this oversaturated space where everyone is just popping up doing everything but no one I feel like oftentimes we forget about it's not necessarily the quantity 
but it's the quality. But also yes. you, you have to ask yourself too. You have to ask, ask yourself, am I getting into this space just to get into this space? And with me getting in this space, am I keeping others who actually like can make a, have a voice and make a change using this platform or can actually use this platform to benefit themselves? For example, if you're on Etsy and you're doing what Charmaine just described, you know, participating in perpetuating this toxic like um, labor culture that we have, take a moment and think about if you're keeping other people who have like Etsy accounts to sell their work and to sell their, like, whether it's an artist or embroidery or whatever, and they're actually like throwing through the, throwing through the process, are you keeping their work from being shown? Are you, are you like taking up space that you don't, I'm not going to say necessarily need, but I'm going to say that you don't necessarily need to take up. And I mean, we see this with the podcast now, like, I'm just going to say like, there are podcasts everywhere, which I'm not saying everyone doesn't have to have a podcast. But what I'm what I'm starting to notice is that people will be like, oh, I'm interested in, I don't know, some random thing. And then the next thing you know, they're like, oh, do you want to make a podcast about it? Do you want to monetize that? Do you want to like, without actually having actual like substance behind what you're doing um and I think that by us continuing to like pressure people to commodify their hobbies and commodify their interests we just contribute to the overwork cycle because now you have all these people who instead of just enjoying something that they like to do they're feeling pressure to commodify it right and mm -hmm. you have this market where everyone is commodifying everything to where the people who actually would benefit from the commodification who actually bring substance to the table don't often get their voices heard because what happens is you have those who have certain privileges trying to quote unquote commodify their hobbies and they are the center of of these platforms rather than people who actually legit want to bring substance to the table and i'm not trying to give us like I'm not trying to say Grey Matters to Blog should be the only podcast anybody ever listens to. No. What I'm saying is if you are going to invest time into commodify, commodifying your hobby, think about why you're doing it. Think about the substance, the substance you're bringing to the table, and think about your intentions. Are your intentions to, your intentions of, of what you're bringing to the table? For example, like Charmaine and I, we love Grey Matters the blog. We love, we loved, love, love, love this idea of bridging academia and activism, right? One would say that it could have started off as our hobby, right? But we saw um, kind of um, opportunity to, opportunity as an educational tool for communities outside of academia and within academia of making um of making like theory and education more accessible which is why we created this platform mm -hmm. and i think that that goes into conversation with mindfulness like and we talked about mindfulness 
so much before and like not being in this constant state where you aren't mindful of what you're doing, where you're not thinking about your, your connection that you have with a larger society. And I think within this mindfulness, there's another conversation about this quote unquote, like hustle and like come up culture, which is part of this overwork culture. And like this idea that like, someone has made it or like you have to make it in order to in order for people to quote unquote support you or you have to work a little harder for example um like our own personal story or my own personal story because i don't want to speak for charmaine when starting gray matters the blog like i felt like a lot of people were like oh we're gonna see where this goes first before we follow you or before we support you and and then on top of not supporting, a lot of people were extra critical, like extra critical about every little thing. Well, no, I think you should do this. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with constructive criticism, like criticism that is there to benefit the person. But there is another thing to be, to have empty criticism that is just there to tear down the individual or the person. And I think... What I would encourage everyone listening to do or to think about is to think about your friends that have an idea or think about your family or your partners or anybody you're close to that has like an idea that they are working on and to think about like your support for them. Like if you are actually there Mm -hmm. to support them, no matter if they quote unquote make it are not, are no matter if they don't meet societal, societal views of like, quote unquote, hustling and, and you got to be on the come up and you got to always be doing 50 things at once. Because I mean, we hear that a lot in making Gray Matters the blog. And let me tell you, Gray Matters the blog community, like Charmaine and I invest so much time and energy into this podcast. It is not physically possible for us, unless we are able to clone ourselves three times for us to participate in this quote unquote hustle and come up culture and like work a hundred hours a week. That is just not physically possible for us. But it's almost as if people expect you to be like that. And that is the only way that you can quote unquote make it. And they're not gonna support you unless you make it. Like I literally have have people have not said it, but I've known, like, they look at our followers, and they're like, oh, you don't have, like, 10k followers, so you're not serious, and that is not the measurement in which we should have of someone's quote-unquote success, Mm because if that is the measurement of success, that just perpetuates this overworked culture, because then you are pressuring that person to find a way to get 10,000 followers to be, um, valued or to get some type of respect or to be recognized better word recognized and that is not necessarily beneficial um to one's psyche to one's mental physical health spiritually like overall holistic like holistically speaking it is not beneficial to one's health yeah i think that's like, thank you for being so real, Ricky, and your honesty, because I think that that's something that often gets lost. And we have this conversation. We talk about this a lot on the, on the podcast. We talk about the benefits of the democratization of social media, all the positive things that have come out of this. But 
with that, it's really important to look at some of the negative impact on the culture. And I think one of the things is that people are expected, like it almost like gives companies a little bit of a pass because people are expected to find more ways to survive because wages are increasingly not matching up to the cost of living. And it almost like gives companies a pass to not pay their workers a living wage. And then the workers have to in turn then go home. And in addition to all of their other duties, like literally come up with something else so that they can supplement their income and like have a good life. And it's insane because it just contributes towards like the, 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 this whole toxicity of overworking, this whole culture, um, toxicity of overworked culture. And it's interesting because it's always posed in this very like self-help mm-hmm. American success story, um, kind of way where it's like, oh, this person is working nine to five and raising a family. And then they came home and they invented these revolutionary socks. And now these socks are the number one socks in the country. And they made, they're a millionaire. And, and that's great. Like I would love, like I, I stand for that. Like, please like, let us all become millionaires. I would love that. And I, I love those stories and they're feel good stories, but on the same token, they're not sustainable. They're not, this system is not built for that to be everyone's story. So that's why we felt like this conversation was so important because that in of itself is so toxic and dangerous because people are really hurting. And I, this very much ties into our current era that this, the relevancy of this discussion in the pandemic era and how much it has brought this kind of exigency of these issues to, to the forefront. And so We've had these conversations. People have been having these conversations for a long time. We're not, you know, definitely not going to take that away from anyone. But with the pandemic, we've seen um, the massive impact of the economy and people's lives. We've seen the the need for universal health care. We've seen the need for a living wage. Um, and a lot of people are really suffering because of these like economic impacts. And so we're very well aware of that. Like we realize that this conversation is really rooted in like, culture studies and like economics. Like that's really where this, this conversation is rooted because we need to be able to have a society that allows people to live and to enjoy their lives, not work so much that they're literally killing themselves because they're not able to afford healthcare and, or go to sleep and have a good night's sleep because they're so exhausted and overworked. So yeah. 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 And I'm just going to say this to our listeners. For the past year, we have lived during a pandemic. And living during a pandemic is a accomplishment in itself. Mm-hmm. If you do not, you do not have to feel, and, and I'm telling you this, and I'm also telling myself this, because I often feel this. You don't feel like you have to be this, like, overproductive, like, quote, unquote, like, superhuman like trope which is detrimental in itself during this pandemic Mm -hmm. this has been a mental and physical um task in itself just surviving this pandemic and within the pandemic we've had our own other obstacles as well i mean here in texas we had the storm we've had like so many different things around the world going on amongst this pandemic and I think that it's it's important to recognize that within ourselves and with everyone that it's okay mm-hmm. if some days you don't want to do anything and you just want to sit and exist 
in the world and that it's okay. Um, you do not have to be quote unquote productive all the time or this new term I'm seeing maximize your hours, whatever that means. Like you, oh you, God, oh, that's I have so, so many thoughts. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a whole episode in itself where we're trying yes. to host upon maximize hours because that's yes. a whole, that whole like Beyonce has 24 hours a day. So do you, it's the same thing. It's no, not the same. Thing. It's not the same thing. Not the same thing. Doing that in itself like has color blindness underlying effects. It has spiritual bypassing underlying effects. Like it has so many problems. Not even looking at privilege. Nothing. nothing economic status. Nothing. It's not yes. looking at any tokenism. Like it's not looking oh, at yeah. anything. And I think that for our listeners, I want to encourage everyone to just give yourself I what I like to do is tell myself to give myself some grace and be like, it's okay. Like it's okay mm-hmm. if if you are are not being as productive as everyone else around you like we are all on our own trajectory like we all have our own paths and in order to kind of dismantle this overworking culture that is making us all tired everyone from the people who constantly like have to like put on a face that they are doing so great to the people everywhere everyone everyone is being affected by this the way to dismantle that is through like rearranging our like rearranging our constructs of what quote unquote success is what like um what pro quote unquote productivity is and what that looks like and accepting that it's not going to look the same for everyone and there is no overarching definition of quote unquote making it um oh, i love that yeah, I think that that is where we start into dismantling this culture that is very, very problematic. And that is a detriment to us all. I know I sound very serious, probably sound, you guys are like, wow. But I want <laughs> to emphasize that this is detrimental to all of us. Like we said, yes. we are it, all tired. Yeah. yeah. And like, I love how you phrase that, Ricky, because I think that connects to, I meant to bring this up earlier, but I think it's really important to dismantle these notions of what success is and what it looks like because these this conversation of like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and like what is considered I hate this word like lazy and what is not we know and especially in America speaking from like my experience as an American like that that uh kind of uh I almost want to say like a title and that designation of like being lazy or not a hard worker is something that is unfortunately, um, it's a designation that impacts the disenfranchised, those from disenfranchised communities. And it's directly linked to the overworking, the, the toxicity and the, you know, this, the detriments of overworked culture put forth by neoliberal hegemonic structures. So I think it's really important to understand that. And and I agree with you hundred percent, Ricky. I think that it's so necessary to dismantle that and to just, you know, I, I, I just, I like appreciate our gray matters community so much. And, you know, like we, we get so much support and I know we have so many like great listeners and it's just, it's so important to just, it's okay. Like it's okay. And it's, it's, it's going to be weird. Like sometimes I think about 
life going back to normal. We're both based in North Texas, where unfortunately a lot of people did not take this seriously. And, and some of the things like we didn't experience a shutdown like the rest of the world, but even that going into what the rest of this year could look like and like people already picking their lives back up and acting like everything's normal. And it's not normal. It's not normal. I just want to <laughs> say that everything is not yeah. normal. And I'm just going to say that like, it's okay. If yeah. you're out there and you're thinking, wow, I don't think it ever could go back to being normal. You are not alone. Cause I think that too. I think that all the time I'm like, we will not, I don't want to go back to normal. No, we need a new normal. The before normal, times were not, it's not it, it wasn't great. Yeah. We need a new, if this has shown us anything, it's, we need a new normal, like what yes. in quotes is normal. Like let's try to find a better word for normal, but you know, like, yeah, absolutely. We need to mm -hmm. do better. We mm -hmm. should have learned this experience, I really hope, has taught us a lot. And we need to learn from that and grow from that. Yes, yes. Within, within growth, there is change. And within change, we reach like, like um, collectively, we can reach a point or, or get to a point to make like a societal, like, like we said, like societal changes better for all of us. And I think that all of what we do is all about like addressing like how we individually and collectively affect society at a greater at a greater and at a greater level um and i think yeah i think yeah i think that like we said like we're we're in a pandemic and it's okay and don't feel over like don't feel over pressure to be a contributing factor in this overworked culture. But also don't feel bad if you are in the overworked culture. Don't feel like it's mm -hmm. your fault. Right. Because I'm just going to tell you nine times out of 10, it's not your fault. It's this, this greater societal culture that we all live by. Like Charmaine and I both expressed, we are overworked ourselves and there's very little that we can do about it. But that's okay mm -hmm. because we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it. Um, and as always, like if you if you are feeling overworked and you want some resources, let us know. We're gonna post some really great resources on our website on the resources page um, that kind of go along with this episode. Um, but if you want to email us, email us. Let us know like how you're doing, how you're feeling, um, and we will we will connect with you, connect like to you as many resources as we can find and what we can do. Um, we always do an Instagram post about um, the episode on our Instagram. So um, if you have any resources that kind of help dismantle this overworked culture, let us know. Tag, yeah. tag, tag the resources in the comments. We love comments. We love engaging with everyone. And the great thing about the comments is that the Gray Matters community at large can see them as well and kind of benefit from this shared resource space. Um, and as always, we will, like we said, link the resources that we have on our ends from Gray Matters on our website. Um, but yeah, this was such a great conversation. If you guys have any questions or want to have a follow-up conversation, like if you want us, if you want us to talk about the um, maximize your hours, let us know. Um, leave us a comment, send us an email. Um, but we will look, we look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. Yes. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.
Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by giving the podcast five stars and by following us on our website, graymatterstheblog.com. That's gray with an A and on Instagram, as well as sharing and commenting on our posts on at graymatterstheblog. We want to connect with our Gray Matters community. That's you, our listeners. So if you have a comment or inquiry about customizable trainings and workshops, email us at graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we will chat with you next week.